You're listening to The One Relationship, where we believe a strong marriage is the foundation for successful families, communities, and cultures. I'm Kate. And I'm Tanner. We're your hosts, and we've each had our share of unhealthy relationships. When we met, we committed to not repeat the mistakes of our past, so we set out to learn everything we could about creating a rock-solid marriage. Join us every week as we bring you real talk from our experiences, other married couples, and relationship professionals we trust. To start strengthening your marriage now, head over to theonerelationship.com and get access to our free marriage manifesto today. Welcome to The One Relationship. My name is Kate Wendell, and today I have an awesome guest. I'm actually very excited to uh, bring her story to you and go through some of the things that she has laid out for women dealing with that self-sabotage. And as I talk to moms and women who are just like dealing with so much, this is definitely a common thing of just on self-worth. So Meg Church is our guest today. She's known as the self-sabotage slayer. Her mission is to help you, quote unquote, get out of your own way. Meg uses her arsenal of teaching tools to help you slay self-sabotage and rock your relationships. She combines her culinary and integrative nutrition and physical training. Plus, she also has an obsession with personal development. Me too. I love that yeah. stuff. And faith to help you realign your relationship with yourself. She also uses her own self-sabotaging journey openly to connect more deeply. And we've all been there. You've shared how you've felt isolated and shame and rejection and betrayal. And so many of us go through that. So you openly talk about the things that you've gone through as well. So Meg Church has a motto of lead, love, learn, live on. I I love that. So welcome, Meg, to The One Relationship. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. This is fun. Yeah, absolutely. So I think this is a really powerful episode because, like I said, women really do struggle with that self-worth, the negative self-talk, right, that we just, we go through on a daily basis. It's amazing the thoughts that we have in our day, like how many we have and how many are negative. I mean, I think it's in like the thousands. Mm -hmm. That's just so incredible. And we really want to start talking to ourselves better, right? So, so before we even get into that, tell us a little bit about your journey. Like how did you become the self-sabotage slayer? It's just fun to say, right? It's like, let's right? just play. I know. I want to make sure I don't slur my S's though. It's a little like a tongue twister. <laughs> So, you know, as with most people that have a passion for what they do or the line of work that they do now, they usually have been through the trenches of what that is. So I am the self-sabotage layer because I was almost slain by self-sabotage. So, you know, my journey with that was so multi-layered. You know, I, I thought that I just struggled with body image issues, thought I struggled with eating disorders and just that. I thought, you know what, I can just handle that on my own. But it just was so deep. And it was a 15 year journey with all of that. And as I thought I got healed from one thing then I learned, oh, I also have struggles with that inner critic and that constant incessant, you can't do this, or you're not worthy, or you're put anything in there. And that's what was going through my head 24 seven. Again, I thought it was just impacting me. But what I learned, it was impacting every relationship I was in, whether it was the person I was attracting, the person I was staying in the relationship, whether it was toxic, unhealthy, or just not allowing me to grow and be my full authentic self. 
So again, we think that by struggling in the darkness and in shame that it's only affecting us, but in all reality, it's affecting how we show up in the world. And I never realized that I kept thinking, oh, you know, it's only me that's dealing with it. So it's okay. I'll figure it out. But it just kept getting worse and worse. My journey with all of that actually started post all the eating disorder issues. And I was getting ready to get married. And I called off a fully paid for wedding two months prior to the actual date. Now, there's a lot that went into that. But so much of that was a lack of knowing who I was and a lack of being able to see who I truly was beyond all the things that I'd done in the world or trying to meet a deadline of being married by a certain day and having that perfect career by this particular date and having kids by this date. And so when I started stripping back some of those things that were keeping me stuck, whether it was the relationship, I was supposed to be a dentist, some of the body struggles, all the things, I really was stuck with facing myself for one of the first times in my life and seeing who I was without all the stuff. And it was frightening. Like it was yeah. very scary. And you notice all these struggles that, that kept piling up over and over again. And I always felt like I was a happy person. I felt like I definitely struggled in the darkness because some of the struggles I felt like I was facing, other people had it so much worse, you know? So you compare your struggle and you're like, oh, you know what? They've got four kids, single mom, dealing with things you've never even can imagine. And here I am just struggling with body struggles, but yet it was consuming me. Mm-hmm. So anything that's consuming you is just going to keep getting louder and louder until you start take control of the reins and realize, you know what, this is not a good thing. This is self-sabotage. Yeah. I'm stuck in this cycle. Yeah. So here comes self-sabotage. I think that for some people that might be something that needs to be defined. So the way that I define it as is, is okay, so here's the thing that you want. Here you are, what's standing in your way? And usually that thing that's standing in your way is yourself, right? Right. So how do you keep getting in your own way and slowing yourself down? That's self-sabotage. So for some people, it might be drugs, could be alcohol, it could be relationships, it could be overdoing in the gym, it could be eating struggles. I mean, you name it, put it in there. It could right. be workaholics, definitely done that before. Yeah. Um, and for me, what I Laziness, learned- Laziness, I think is also another one, right? Like, oh, I'll just, you know, check out and not yep. show up for things. Yeah, yeah. So the big thing for me, what I learned was I was a perfectionist. It was all or nothing. Like some parts of my life didn't need to look a certain way. Other parts need to be perfect mm-hmm. in order to get out there and do something. So to become a recovering people pleaser perfectionist <laughs> is an ongoing journey. Sure. And as you <laughs> learn that about yourself, it, your world changes. So that's kind of in a nutshell, my. <laughs> yeah. And what I, I found so powerful is that, and I've talked about this, you know, over various podcast episodes or in challenges and working with clients that, that we are attracting, you know, who we are and what we think, Mm -hmm. you know, I think, you know, the brain is so powerful that it actually doesn't know something negative or positive is real or not. Right. You know, like what's, it just knows what you're telling it. And so when we're telling ourselves certain things, like we're attracting that into our life. And then if we're being that person, we're attracting those kinds of 
people in our life, right? I mean, it's, and I remember years ago, a guy who I used to date, who I had, you know, we just ended up becoming friends. We were, we're just in the same industry and we stayed friends. And I remember seeing him one night and he was like, Kate, but like, you have to change how you're looking at everything. And at the time I was so defensive about it because (laughs) I was like, what do you mean? I'm happy, like I'm good, blah, blah, blah. Like everyone else's problem, right? But he really had such truth to it. And he saw something that I didn't see because I was so emotionally involved, right? And he saw that like I was projecting this negative, like poor me, nothing works out. You know, when I thought I was putting out there that I was, I was good, I was happy, like everything was cool. So you really have to pay attention to how you're showing up. Mm-hmm. and how you're you're attracting that into your life. So that's a, a really powerful thing. So you talk about some of the areas of self-sabotage. So let's just like to run through, you have seven. What are those? Let's see if, you know, maybe people listening can put themselves in a bucket there. Yeah, and I tend to always forget one. I'll be like, what? I got them in front of me in case, so don't worry. <laughs> so that's usually if you're stuck, that's mm-hmm. a big one. Sometimes yeah. you don't even know how to explain that. You're just like, I don't know. And so by that all, like, I don't know phase, you either procrastinate Mm -hmm. or you self-sabotage again. So self-doubt is a big one for everybody. Right. Primarily, like we were talking about earlier, especially for women, when it comes to body, motherhood, relationships, those kind of things. So there's rejection. That is a big one. And I'm talking outside of just relationship rejection, any type like that that can form wounds that you don't even realize you still have that still need to be healed. People pleasing is a big one, especially for the helpers out there that love to say yes to everything talked about. mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, Anxiety, which is another big one. And then the final one is Is, uh, what we call relationship. So it's when you're not, maybe your relationship needs some work. Maybe you keep attracting the wrong relationships and you kind of get stuck in that same pattern like I did. So those are the the primary seven that we've found. And that doesn't mean that those are only it. Like there's a lot of other things. Like if you think about comparison or comparison-itis, that's a big one. That's a big one. Jealousy, envy, those can all fall into the self-doubt if you think about it. Because why do you have those things? Because you're uncertain of your own worth. Right. So again. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned anxiety and I feel like anxiety just goes hand in hand with depression now, yep. right? It's like one or the other, or it's both. Mm-hmm. And when someone, cause I suffered with depression for over a decade and I found my healing in it, which I, you know, I've, I share openly, but what I realized some, I was talking with, and I forget who I had this conversation with, but someone had said, you know, depression is, you know, the regret of the past or like, what isn't, you know, or just like unhappiness with what isn't. And the anxiety is like the fear of the unknown, you know, like that uncertainty. And if we can actually just sort of learn to be able to accept where we are, let go of what's happened in the past, Mm. right? Like we just have to say, hey, like, I don't have to love where I am currently, but I made these choices. My past is my past and it's in the past. And now I'm going to choose differently moving forward and be able to let that go. And I had a really hard time because I wanted my life to look a certain way. And I had this expectation of that and it didn't look like that. So I got depressed, Mm -hmm. you know, and then that anxiety of the unknown. And I think when we can start to embrace like unknown actually means like, cool, it's a blank canvas. I can paint anything I want. You know, and that's actually a beautiful thing 
mm-hmm. without it feeling like there's this fear and this anxious, you know, behavior because, oh my God, I don't know how it's going to, how it's going to be and how it's going to work out. And, you know, well, I think it's, use it as I a think superpower. Interesting with anxiety. Cause I definitely have suffered from anxiety and mm-hmm. it's something that I still have to tame and like acknowledge mm-hmm. kind of like with depression. I mean, you probably know when you start seeing signs, you're mm-hmm. like, Oh, that's like the dark side. I need to like, Redirect. I need to go talk to someone or maybe mm-hmm. I need a, a session with someone or whatever. Right. But for me, it was exactly what you were saying. It's fear that's showing up as something that you don't know in the future. So you got to try to plan it all or figure it out Mm -hmm. or it's reverting back to your past and you're scared that you're either going to recycle that over Mm -hmm. again and you're going to experience it again or the failure that's attached to that. And I say that in air quotes because there's no such thing. It's learning lessons if you see Mm -hmm. it as that way. Right. And so when you want to really get that anxiety elixir is to get in the present moment. Yeah. So if you can say, hey, like the reason why you're anxious is because you're worried about either the past or the future and you keep pulling yourself back to the present. That's not happening right now. Yeah. Just tackle what you can right now. And it's, it's an ongoing thing, right? (laughs) It's an ongoing, beautiful, challenging thing. And you know what? I'm glad you say that because I think people need to remember that it's ongoing and that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not like you just like, oh, I got fixed and now I'm all better and I never have to worry about that again. I mean, if you think about it from a perspective of your health, it's not like you're going to go to the gym. Like, I, I mean, that's why diets don't work, right? Because like, oh, I've done this hardcore thing for X amount of time. And then you're, you hit that mark, whether completion of whatever you're training for, or you lose a certain amount of pounds, like whatever that is, that goal is, and then you reach it. And then it's like, oh, okay, cool. I can go back to the way I was. And the, the reality is that's not how life works. Mm-mm. Things need to be ongoing and you get to a place where maybe there's maintenance, right? Like it's not like hard work to overcome something and work through something and you get to a place where it's more maintenance, but it's, but I don't ever want to just eat really well for a period of time and then go back to eating like crap and feeling like crap and like developing a health issue, right? Like, I don't want that. I want to be able to maybe reach some fitness goals or health goals and then maintain and Mm -hmm. continue to just know that I'm always working and striving to be good and better. Right. And it's the same thing with these mindsets. Like it's going to always be something that you work on and Mm -hmm. that's okay. You know, I think our, our world thinks like, Oh, let me just do this for a short period of time. And then everything's going to be fine. Right. Well, and I, and I think too, it's like seeing like what you had said earlier, seeing the ties between those seven things. So mm-hmm. for example, I said, rejection's also really big. But a lot of times, for me at least, that anxiety is tied to rejection because of past things that you've tried or, you know, whether or not it's a relationship that maybe, you know, maybe you're going into a new marriage and you're scared that you're going to attract the same kind of things or past relationships that you felt like, oh, like those were just not good. And so I think sometimes seeing how when you are getting out there and you have those anxious feelings are you trying to control, which this is something I learned about mm-hmm. myself, are you trying to control the pain ahead of time? Oh, that's good, yeah. Are you trying to, to manipulate it? Are you trying to control it so that it won't hurt as bad? 
if you're told no? Or are you trying to talk yourself out of something to not even attempt so you Can't, don't have right. to feel that pain? Mm-hmm. So it's just, we're, like humans are so cool, but so complex. Like there's we so really much chaos. <laughs> we, we are, but I think like, let's embrace it, you know, rather than, you know, shame. I mean, you talk about shame and to be able to let go of that. We don't have to be shameful about the complexity of the things that we go through. We don't have to we don't have to beat ourselves up for it. We don't have to think we're not a good person or good enough because of these things. These are, we're made to be very unique and dynamic this way for a reason, you know, because every person gets to bring something cool and different to the table. And when we can start to, you know, embrace that journey, then, you know, I feel like we'll have a happier world you know well and and acknowledging that everybody's going through something everybody's going through one of these or multiple or all of these Mm -hmm. and so when you do meet people and you do notice there might be something off like what are the roots to that why are they showing up that way or in a relationship why are they showing up with rage in this area or why is there so much resentment build up or what is leading to this darkness like you said in your history of having depression for 10 years how like what was that picture that you were attached in your mind and what's different in your real life? Right. And how did it get yeah. to be so separated? So yeah. I think just seeing life for what it is and, and taking off the distractive ego, devil, Satan goggles that you yeah. sometimes put on and just remembering, okay, you know what? This is who I am. I should not be ashamed of this. And I need to be more vocal with who I am and just show up. And some people yeah. aren't going to like it and that's okay. Yeah. You know, I've, I, it just made me think of this example yesterday. I was in the car, I was coming out of the chiropractor. I had the kids in the car, my mom, and I, I had to, I got a phone call from my husband to go pick up his daughter at dance class. So I wasn't going straight home and I'm like, okay, I had some snacks in the car. I'm like, let me, and I pulled over, I'm in the parking lot. I pulled over to the side to, you know, just get the snacks out. So like they were handled because it's dinner time and whatever, right? Crazy little toddlers. And, but I started, once I got them settled, I started to like pull out to actually, you know, start driving. And there was a car coming out of the parking lot as well. And I, and I just didn't see her. I mean, I mean, I was, I was moving so slowly, but for her, I was the worst person in the entire world. The look that she gave me and she said some things that, you know, I could only imagine through the car window that I saw, you know, and like, she was so disgusted because I I was trying to, you know, pull out of the parking lot and like get out of the space. And I mean, literally like she wasn't there and then she was there. Right. You know, we've gone through that before and and driving, you know, down the road or whatever. And, and like I said, I wasn't moving that fast. So I stopped, I let her go, but she was so annoyed. And And I thought about it because this happens so often with people when they're driving, how angry they get because someone does something that, you know, you don't like, and then they flip you off and they say things, choice words and all that stuff. And I'm just like, and instead of now getting upset with them and like taking on their energy, I'm now like, wow, she's really got a rough day or some, something clearly is not working well in her life. Like, I'm going to say a prayer for her, or I'm going to send some positive vibes for her, you know, like, and I think that's, it's just small things like that to recognize, like you said, we're all in a place of going through something. Mm -hmm. And if we can start being mindful of that without like, you know, judging people, like 
you know, like we're here, we're all dealing with something Mm -hmm. and it doesn't always look the way you think it looks based on social media or, you know, what just happened between two cars or, you know, so let's be more mindful that, you know, everyone's going through something. And if we can just have a little bit more of a a nicer, kinder way to approach those people and and handle those people. So I want to ask you, you know, how you help women like gain their self-worth. You have something that's like the body battle breakthrough. So maybe tell um, the audience a little bit about what that looks like. Yeah. So we kind of talked about the body battles being one of the areas out of the seven self-sabotaging struggles that a lot of people deal with. And, you know, I, I use an example that is more surface level, but it's so much deeper than the surface level. So I walk people through a three-part step system. I like to keep things simple because we got enough going on in the world that we don't need complex, right? We're complex human beings. So three steps that I'll walk you through. And I have a tool we can talk about at the end that can help dive even deeper. If you're like a note taker and like to listen to things even more like me, but there's three steps. So the first one is battle. The second one is breakup, which I'll explain that one in a second more and then become. And I've learned for me that this is what I was doing and all of the things that I really struggled with, whether or not it was the actual body battles I was facing, the low self-worth, the relationship problems, (laughs) uh, you know, business, whatever it is, like this framework is going to be something that you can apply. So the first one is basically the awareness piece. So you got to take a look at your life, what you were saying when you were struggling in that 10 year frame like, look, I'm depressed. Like this is a battle. This is not something that's going away day after day. It is consistent. So you look at it, whether or not you look at yourself in the mirror, what is it that keeps coming up over and over again? That is your battle. You just Mm -hmm. need to choose one, one a day. If you want to stick to something being simple. Now, if you want to take it and actually write down all the things, I mean, that's what our brains do and just dump it out. You can see all the battles that you're facing, but just pick one. So for, for example, in this one, we're talking about an actual body battle. So when you look in the mirror, what are the things that you're saying to yourself? What are the things that you're nitpicking? The person you used to be pre-motherhood, pre, you know, your third divorce, whatever that is, like, what are you saying to yourself on an ongoing daily minute to minute, second to second habit? Because that's becoming the recording in your mind. So that is not you, you know, that is not who you truly are deep down underneath all the layers of self-sabotage and the things that you're battling. That is just this recording that that negative critic that has taken over. Mm -hmm. And so how do we get rid of that? Again, we acknowledge the battle first. Now it's time to acknowledge that's not you. That is your inner bully. So maybe you were bullied as a kid. Maybe you were left out. Maybe your parents didn't want you. Maybe, you know, you had your ex-relationship cheated on you. All all the things, those things compile and they take over your mind. So anytime you're ready to show up or anytime something big is coming up, those things are going to come out and they're going to start getting louder and louder until you can acknowledge them and say, you know what? You don't run this anymore. This is not the recording. So essentially we're breaking up with the inner bully. So the first step was acknowledgement in the battle phase. What are your battles? The second one is time to break up with the bully. And it's going to take time. If it took you 20 years to get to this point, it's not going to take 20 seconds to get rid of it. Right. That constant bringing it back and like, 
yo, we got to break up. Like, I don't have time for you today. You know, when you're right. trying to have like the best day ever and you're just like, ah, why? You know, those things come up. So just nip it in the bud, call it out. Mm-hmm. As soon as you call it out, it takes its power away. Yeah. Okay. So then so good. the final step is for the fellow perfectionists out there, raise your hand. <laughs> and it's basically all about becoming. It's not you become and you're done. It's an ongoing process. It's about, you know, everybody says getting 1% better every day. How can you keep doing this? How can you keep reducing the self-sabotage in your life? How can you quit going to battle with yourself on a daily basis so you can show up and become who God made you to be? Yeah. And I, to me, that's the most beautiful thing. It's a shedding. That's what I teach. It's a shedding of all those things that are keeping you stuck. We want to keep adding more and more to our life, but we can't even, we can't even appreciate all the more because we have so much stuff. It's like, think about hoarders. Like, yeah. you know, you've ever seen that? I tried yeah. to watch it before. It gave me too much anxiety. <laughs> but it's like that. So imagine your mind with all of that junk all the way around. When goodness comes in, you can't see it. Or at least you can't see it for a while because you're going to lose it with all the junk. So it's a process. It's like, okay, battle. We got to break up. We don't have time. And then you're becoming. So it lets off that whole perfectionist mindset and allows you just to keep growing. And if you do that and you become good at practicing every day, you're going to become a better version of yourself every single day. And, you know, next year you're going to look back and be like, wow feel so much lighter and freer. Right? <laughs> I don't have all this inner bully going on in my head. Well, and I love that you share that it's a process, right? You know, we kind of talked about this in the beginning too, that it's this ongoing, just ongoing work and not work to like, Oh, I got to do no, this work. No. Right. Like just, but just that you have to put in some, some effort to it and that it's ongoing. And it, you mentioned like, you know, that 1% every day, you know, just make that shift. And it reminded me of uh, like an airplane, the, the airplane, is as it takes off into route, like it is always one degree off and riding the plane again and one degree off and riding the plane again. If it never righted itself, you know, obviously, you know, pilots, whatever, but if it never goes back that one degree, it would literally end up like in another direction of where it was supposed to be and be off course of its destination. So even if you think of like, oh yeah, I get into a plane and it just takes off and takes me to where I want to go. I mean, beautiful that we have that in this world, you know, today, but, but that it is always one degree off and it's always writing itself to be able to stay on course and get to the proper destination. And that's the same thing as humans. Like we, we're always, we always have to sort of write the ship a little bit, you know, and just get ourselves back on. And that doesn't mean that you failed. It just means that you're like, cool, this is a little harder for me, but I'm going to keep working mm-hmm. at it and get well, there. So, And I think that's the cool thing. I've actually had two conversations with clients saying the exact same thing almost today where they said, man, like, I feel like I've made so much progress and I've done this and this, but I still did this. And instead of beating yourself up, it's nice sometimes to have someone show you like, hey you know how long that used to take you to stay in that spot back in the day prior to learning this? Now it only took you three minutes. You know, now it only took you, you didn't cry the whole day. You didn't have to go in bed. You didn't have to drink your feelings away. And so realizing that, like, like seeing your old default mechanisms and becoming aware of them is a huge step forward. Like we don't like that part because it's still not comfortable and it's still not to where we want to be. 
but that is part of the process, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and I, I think people, and certainly, you know, if anyone wants to correct me that I might be wrong, but I think the majority of people believe that life should just be great all the time. Like we're just supposed to be happy all the time. Life should be good all the time. Shouldn't have, you know, all these uh, horrible things. Try like, I mean, look, we don't want, we don't want tragedy. We, we don't want heartbreak. Like we don't want the negative things that come into our life, loss, death, things like that. I mean, it's, I mean, this particularly this past year, it has been extremely challenging for so many people, whether it's isolation, whether they've lost a loved one, maybe it's themselves that, you know, fought for their life, like whatever that looks like. I mean, it's all those things suck, right? We don't want to deal with them, but no one said life was supposed to be like rosy and perfect and happy all the time. Mm -hmm. And so we do have these unfortunate things that come into our life and we do have challenges and we do have struggles and we do have loss and we do have uh, tragedy. Like we have that. Now it's about, well, how are you going to show up in that? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's not like take all of that away and let my life be happy and awesome all the time. It's now just like, okay, when it gets tough, how am I going to show up in it and be able to get through it on the other and, and be stronger on the other side? Someone that I've learned from had an amazing example of this. I'm like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> it's very transformative for me. And she basically was illustrating the same point. We're not supposed to ha- be happy all the time. Life is 50-50. And she said, because if not, like when someone died, you would be happy. And, and she's like, I don't want to be happy when someone that I love passes away. You're supposed to, you're supposed to feel that pain. You're supposed to feel that loss. Like mm. if you were to be happy all the time, death wouldn't mean anything. Right. Same thing like with heart, uh, for what for heartbreak or rejection or anything, I think as much as it sucks, <laughs> no one likes that no, part. Right, right. It grows, it grows your heart. Like it grows mm. it to a level of love you didn't know was capable mm. or the ability for the heart to be malleable and to heal is like such a, a beautiful and crazy and chaotic thing all at once. But there's the drastic differences, I think, to help us grow in that way. So that it's not mm-hmm. all the same emotion all the time. Because life would be weird. Right. I mean, uh, I, I think of like people in California, you know, it's like, oh, it's sunny and wet, like awesome weather all the time, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, I guess if you like that, I like the seasons, you know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, sure, there's probably the exceptions to the rule where someone would be like, no, I just want to be happy all the time. But hey, if that's the case, then you can be happy all the time, even in the midst of the, the, the struggles and the challenges and just find the, the silver lining in it all, like mm-hmm. all the power to you to have that attitude. But I, but it's, I don't know. I just think it's, you know, just don't beat yourself up. If you have that day or that week where you're like, I'm just emotionally spent, I'm drained, I'm sad. Like I, like now I get to a place where I can still be sad I can still have a hard day. I can still be very like emotionally challenged. But the difference is that now I know how to not let it become depression, Mm. right? So now I know like, okay, here's how I can work through this. This is, you know, we all have emotions that we need to feel in order to process what's happening in our life. Mm-hmm. So that's okay, but how are we going to show up in in that situation to say, okay, but I'm going to come through this. I'm going to get through it. 
and I'm going to be better for it on the other side of it. You know, I think of all the heartbreak. I mean, my, my story is that I've, you know, I wanted to be married and have a family since I was a little girl. Like I didn't even, I didn't want a career. I didn't want to work, you know, and of course this is like back in the eighties, you know, there were a lot of stay at home moms and more so than now. And that was just very common. My mom was a stay at home mom. And, and that's what I wanted to do. I just, I didn't want the career. I wanted to be, in fact, I even would say, I'm like, well, you know, if I need to work at some point, you know, I can have some part-time hours and help out, but you know, I just want to be a stay-at-home mom. And my life went to a career path and I just had bad relationship after bad relationship. You know, this guy doesn't want to commit. This guy cheats on me. This guy's, I don't know, like, just a floater and cool, you know, like not, Mm -hmm. and no one wanted to commit. And it's just, and, and so my whole life was like, but I was supposed to get married and have family. Like now I'm in this depression. And, and so I, I had to realize like going through all of that heartbreak, the loneliness that I felt, the isolation that I felt now is for me to be like, well, you know what? I got through it. I'm stronger because of it. And now I get to share with other people how I got through it. And like, isn't that a great benefit? And, you know, and it might not be that, you know, someone listening be like, well, I went through all this. And I'm like, I'm not going to go run a podcast or something. Right. That's okay. But you can share that with the people you come in contact with. You know, you've got friends, you've got other family who might benefit from your journey, you know, and just to share that. So I think it's just, you know, thinking about all the things that we go through, like, just know that we can go through them and show up stronger on the other side. Isn't it beautiful though, to look back at your past and reflect and be like, wow, I went through all that. Not to say I'd want to go through it again, (laughs) but I survived it in the resiliency of your heart that you learned. And now your life looks so much different. Yeah. Husband have a family you're doing all these things. And to me, you know, I I feel like sometimes people put so much of their worth into relationships because that was what I used to do. But I think like for me, part of my journey with that is I'm newly married. So even though my name is Megan Church under there, I'm Megan Church Smithson and I didn't change it, but that's all right. But the same, well, not the same person, but how you were told by an ex years ago that he saw something in you and you needed to like, quit being negative around xyz right the same thing my husband now said to me back in 2006 and he saw something in me that i hadn't yet tapped into yet because i was so consumed with all the things i shared earlier and you know i guess my story in and of itself like yours is is a testimony to just keep showing up even when you don't see where it's going yet even when you don't understand why you're in this relationship or why the the cheating happened why the betrayal and now you're feeling the rejection and all that comes with that instead try to just learn like okay now I know I don't want that <laughs> now <laughs> I have one more clue to the next thing that I do want and to continue to show up and keep learning and trying to explore yourself your heart where you're standing in your own way because you keep doing that that's going to compound right. and for me after spending a decade of dating disasters, you know, there's highs and lows with all of that. He came back into my life in the most amazing, crazy, I felt like he resurrected from the dead. (laughs) (laughs) And it's been beautiful ever since, but that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that there still aren't challenges and stuff. But I think that just like, don't give up, like, Mm -hmm. don't give up. You might be so close to your miracle that you don't even realize it. 
Like it can happen like that, but it, it's so powerful when you keep showing up for yourself, even yeah. when you feel shame, just yeah. keep showing up for yourself. And, and, you know, the more that you may tell your story, like you said, it may not be in the form of a podcast, but maybe it's one-on-one with a friend, or maybe it's with someone that you trust, or maybe it's with a colleague or coworker, you could help them. Mm-hmm. They could start to look to you because you've been through it. And so you could just be like, come on, it's not that bad. Let's go. Yeah. There's the warning signs. Here's what you're going to be facing soon. Yeah. I love it. You're just like the, the miracle could, you know, just show up like that. Like you, you're so close to the miracle that, and you don't see it, you know, people give up. Right. And this applies in business as well as in relationships, like, or just change in our personal life that, that we might be striving for that just that over the hump, that, that miracle you mentioned, you know, you're literally like the piece of success that you want in your business, like literally is like right around the corner and, and people were like, you know, throw their hands up right before they hit that. I mean, I, right. You know, and that's when it's like, yeah, I mean, I didn't know when my sort of quote unquote happy ending was coming, but the one thing I did say to myself was as depressed as I am, like, I am not going to end this life and I'm going to keep like the mustard seed of hope was still there that I'm like, I'm going to keep going and I'm so glad I did it. And I found my husband in like the like the last possible mo- place that I thought I would find him, right? You know, I mean, it's just, so So Tanner and I met at a, a, a personal development type seminar. We were both part of this network marketing company that we're no longer a part of, but we had joined at separate times. We heard our mentor, Bo Eason, speak at these two different events that we had gone to two different times, but related to that MLM. And when we heard Bo, we're like, oh, I got to work with that guy. So we signed up for his three-day workshop and he talks about and teaches the power of your personal story. Mm-hmm. And so we, he was living out in Colorado. I was in New York City and the event was in La Jolla, California. And we both ended up at that three-day weekend, saw each other from a distance because we were doing work on stage. And, you know, like, so we saw each other through the weekend, never talked to each other though, until Bo extended his training out to a year-long mastermind that both of us decided to sign up for. And he, Bo does this, like what he calls a champagne toast, a a meeting with all the people who want to join the mastermind Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the three days. And in, so we're there and literally is like, I'm going to the bathroom and he's running out to catch his plane. We're like, Hey, I know you cool. Let's friend each other on Facebook. And so like we friend each other and like off our merry way. And literally that's it until a couple of weeks later, he, he, I, I had posted the first Thursday of November is hashtag men make dinner day. And I had made a post just kind of being, you know, lighthearted, fun. Like, I don't need a guy to make me dinner. Like, I know how to cook, like, blah, 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 whatever. And so, you know, it wasn't like cynical. It was just being silly. And he had messaged me and said, you know, if I had known, I would have made you dinner, but you would have had to have waited for it. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, who is this guy that's sending me this Facebook message? I thought he was like a listener from, you know, my radio career. And like, you know, I was like, what is it? And anyway, I click on his profile and realize like, oh, he's from Bo. Okay. Like now I know him. And so then we started messaging and just, you know, one thing led to another. We, you know, we became friends. We became accountability partners. We shared New Year's Eve that, that year together. And then like quickly after that, it was like, hey, like, 
I love you. Like everything that I want in a relationship, like that, like that's what you have, you know? And, and so then we started dating and doing the long distance and then he tried to break up with me and then we got back together and like the whole nine yards. But like, I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, and that's the thing, right? Like here, I thought, you know, I found the guy and then he wants to break up with me. Like just knowing that there's always going to be just sort of that push and pull because that's life, right? You know, and you figure out what's worth fighting for knowing that, you know, you're making effort, but the people around you are making effort too. And, and we did, you know, we figured out what worked for us and, and then we got married. And then we had two kids and now we're a family of five with his daughter with us. And, and it hasn't been an easy, we've been married four years. We just celebrated our fourth, fourth wedding anniversary and it hasn't been easy. You know, like it just, it's been an emotional roller coaster and super challenging and blended family dynamics. And like, I mean, there have been times where it's just been horrible, but we also know like the love is there getting out is not an option. And like, how are we going to do it? You know, and we're so much better for it now than where we were four years ago or even a year ago. Like it's just constant improvement and growth and love, you know, and, and, and that's what we keep working on and sharing that with, you know, with our audience. So I love that though. And I think that you guys are an example of being real and, you know, of course you may not share things as they're actually happening, but after you get through them, you could share, okay, you see that picture there was a <laughs> before there where there's a kid meltdown. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh, like this happened. But I think that's the beauty of it because so much people will compare their relationship yeah. to yours, but they don't realize like we all go through stuff. It's just how you handle it. Yeah. And those things like, I mean, the whole blended relationship, the whole blended families Same. is a whole other topic that oh we my gosh into. Oh my God. Yeah. because again I through through some of my people that there's not enough support around that no. they feel alone and there's shame and even sharing and I I told you so and oh I, you know I know families that did xyz but they're not in your shoes and they've never experienced that so it's right. different and every fa- and right and every blended family is different based on the other parents involvement whether they are involved or not or you know like what their di- you know what that dynamic is like it's just and it is it's extremely challenging it's very different to to be a step parent uh, versus parenting your own children like you know and people can fault me for that but the reality is like it's just different it's different and it's not always easy parenting in itself isn't easy and then, and then to do that with someone that's not your own child, like that just adds another layer of challenge. And yeah. And like, we continue to, to work through it and find solutions. And like you said, you might not share it as you're going through it, but once you can kind of remove from what happened, like then, and I feel like that's where I'm at right now too. Like I can start sharing a lot of what has happened in the last four years now, because I feel like I'm out of the thick of it. We mm-hmm. figured some things out and I'm like, oh, this is how stuff, you know, how, how I can get through this. And now I'm like starting to share more of that. So that's a really, it's a really good point. You know, like it, it always looks a certain way on socials, but isn't necessarily like the reality of it all. Well, then also too, it's like, it doesn't matter to me as much how long you've been together. If your relationship isn't something I aspire to be like, I don't know if you've gotten that too, where Mm. people that tell you how many years they've been married, 
but they don't tell you that they're not happy or that they've been cheating the whole time or that, you know, all the backstory of things. So it's like when you do have your relationship as one of your highest values and you invest into it, into each other and making sure you carve out time, kids, no kids, blended family, whatever that looks like, then you're going to grow and your relationship is going to be so much stronger than those that don't do that. And that doesn't make it better but you're not going to fight as much. Or if you do, you're going to be able to not disrespect each other in the process of it and recover from it faster. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So much that we can keep talking about. We're going to have to do like a part two or something. (laughs) I I would love that. And, and we'll, we'll share in the show notes, all details of how everyone can find you, Meg, but megchurch.com, you know, website got lots of cool things there with the body battle breakthrough and your, what is it? The relationship. Yeah. The the intimacy Intimacy accelerator. accelerator. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, and Derek, your husband, right. Is a part of that part too, which is great, you know, to feel like maybe some of the wives out there can incorporate their husband. Mm -hmm. Cause I know, you know, connection with spouses are definitely, you know, struggling right now. Right. So we want to, we want to figure out how we can work on continuing to bring closer connections. So I love that you've got a cool thing like that. So, but we'll have all the details and show notes so you can refer back to it and how you can find Meg. We'll figure out like a part two. I'd love to do something like that, but thank you so much for, for being a part of the one relationship and sharing your insight and your journey. It's been great having you. Thank you. I already love the connection and you're awesome. And I don't know, this is just fun. <laughs> it was fun. I know. I'm like, I feel like we, we need some coffee. And I know. Like, it's like, well, let me get our husbands, you know, <laughs> have, a, have a podcast date. <laughs> totally. Uh, well, and maybe we'll do something like that. Maybe we can work out. We're doing it in real time. We'll figure out how yeah. we can bring the husbands yeah. in and, and do a chat that way. I think that would be awesome. Well, thank you again, Meg. And we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of The One Relationship. Be sure to subscribe right now. And we'd love it if you could do us a quick favor, too. Please rate and review this podcast. This will help others who want to strengthen their marriage discover our content. To get our free marriage manifesto today, head over to theonerelationship.com. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Just hit the Contact Us button and send us your questions and feedback. Join us next time for more Real Talk on The One Relationship.